Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, uh, wherever you're joining us from. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast Live. Today's date is Friday, the 25th of January, 2019, and this is episode number 75. Thank you for joining us. I am Edwin Frondozo. The Business Leadership Podcast Live is a live call-in radio show where I speak to business leaders, subject matter experts, and thought leaders to discuss latest innovations, current events, or best practices that will help you personally and professionally grow. This episode is brought to you by Slingshot VoIP. It's a leader in business voice AI technologies that help companies understand what the customers are saying when they're calling in. Happy Friday, everybody. I'm really excited to introduce my co-host today. His name is Jason Kennigan. He's the founder of Cold Star Technologies. He helps companies with technical operations excellence as they scale from 12 people to 500 and beyond. <laughs> he focuses primarily on process engineering. Um, in the past, he was a co-founder of The Closing Engine, which was a third-party high-ticket sales as a service business. Jason was a factory manager at 25 and at 26 had 150 people reporting to him. He has a wealth of knowledge in this, so I'm super excited to have him join join today. So with his, with his experience, and I hope I didn't miss much because he has a wealth of experience, um, we thought it would be interesting to talk about the challenges or the unexpected challenges of scaling a business from 12 to 500 um, because scaling and I know interviewing many business leaders who have scaled um, scaling from one to 10 employees is different than going to 50 employees then passing the 150 threshold mark where culture is probably breaking down and I know Jason <laughs> probably has a lot of war stories on this and how to overcome that so we thought it would be a, an amazing episode one that if you're listening live and you're personally going through this or your business is going through this we'd love to have direct questions and hope to answer it um, live here if you have any success stories scaling from a small company to over 500 we would really love to have you join us live on the air just let us know in the browser below so if you are joining us um, just say hi as well I always like to know uh, who's listening live or who's listening on the replay um, without further ado, Jason, happy Friday. How are you doing today? Thank you for joining us. You bet, Edwin. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. And I hope we do get in uh, some some live callers or people asking questions. Yeah, it's no, me too. I mean, well, well, once once it goes live and people start asking, we have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> well, Jason, I don't know the answer. I have this weird thing that I do. I say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and that's the key to success, right? Um, with that said, Jason, if you are catching this on the replay and you do have a question for myself or Jason, just let me know. Obviously, reach me, reach out to me. It's Edwin at thebusinessleadership.com. I'll definitely chase down Jason to to answer your questions. Just let let me know that you 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 heard us live and any feedback as well. Um, Jason, let's let's just get into it because this is a topic that I love talking about, especially when I have business leaders who have gone through multiple struggles or stages of scaling. So what do you think is the biggest issue, uh, whether it's the business owners? Oh, maybe let's just start with the, the business owners who are struggling to scale. 
So vision is probably not too much of a problem at that point, right? People start out, they, they often start out in a solopreneur situation, and then they get a couple of VAs working with them, virtual assistants, somebody to help out with some tasks. But then there's um, a problem in that there are no systems and no feedback loops. And they find, oh, these people don't do a very good job. These VAs I hired, there's tons of frustration stories about that. And they start to bring people in-house at that point, if, if they're going to expand. And there's this funny uh, picture, Edwin, from a book called Scaling Up by a fellow named Vern Harnish. And it shows these plateaus uh, of 28 million companies in the United States. And in between each plateau, and there's like four of them, is what's called the valley of death. And what I want to get across to our listeners today is that if you don't change what you're doing from one plateau to the next and how you're doing it, you will die. <laughs> Your business will implode, you'll fall back down, or you'll just go out of existence. And it's like, these are the numbers. 96% uh, of these 28 million firms are under a million in revenue, 96%. Then there's about 4% that are above a million, but under 10 million. Only four tenths of 1% get above $10 million. Mm -hmm. And at the $50 million plateau mark, there's only 17,000 firms out of 28 million. That's so crazy. you can see as you try and hop up to the next level, you really need to be doing something different or else you will die in the valley of death in between. Wow. No, I'm just I'm just looking at this this image of the valley of death. I, I thank you for sharing that. And this this where it scales, right? 28 million firms. I'll, I'll actually put this this link of this image here on on the on the browser. But I mean, that's fascinating. That, that's news to me. But it also makes sense for those who are starting a business or even trying to scale like there's there's far a few between that that gets to each level, right? Correct. Right. Well, we saw, yeah, in the numbers there, if like 96% are at a million or less and only about 4% are reaching that million dollar revenue or higher, what does that tell you, right? And knowing your numbers is something I'm really big on, right? And knowing like benchmarks. So, because if you don't know what your benchmarks are for the activity that you're trying to do, you can get really down on yourself. I know uh, I was upset about something uh, with my golf game, my putting game, <laughs> a couple years ago, right? And, uh, and and I was just picking the game up, you know. My air game's not that good, but my ground game is all right. But I, but I was upset at myself because I was missing all these putts. And so I went, well, what's the benchmark here? And I found out after some Googling, I made a video about this, that um, about half the time, pro golfers, so people who eat, sleep, drink golf, right? And they're, they're getting paid, they have sponsors, they're going on tour, they're being on TV. Miss the shot half the time from about eight feet. And once you know that, I, I felt a hell of a lot better about my game. <laughs> like, oh, I'm actually doing pretty good here. So, You're so, actually you know, not bad so, at all, right? Yeah. <laughs> No, actually, knowing the benchmarks is key. You know, it's funny that you're bringing that up because uh, I was I was in a meeting, a company that I, I advise on, and there was discussions going back and forth in terms of sort of the onboarding of customers or onto the platform, and the founder was was really 
distraught maybe maybe not distraught but but he was wondering like how do he improve this but someone in the room is like how do you know that you are below average of the industry standard like you have no idea like why are you focusing on that let's move on to the next thing because your numbers are actually not bad <laughs> like like it's not terrible it doesn't sound bad right um and, and it just goes to the point that you're talking about is uh is understanding like industry benchmarks or or start with something right um mm -hmm. so yeah so like even a target for yourself if you're going into new territory nobody's done this before at least set a set a target and achieve it right uh, and and some people would say make it an achievable target <laughs> as opposed to a, you know a moonshot target so that you can feel good about yourself and creep up from there so very important yeah knowing your numbers knowing your numbers um quick question when you talk about bench benchmarking um jason how do you when you work with customers let's say you're working with your customers who are like those entrepreneurs or, or under 10 employees what type of tips do you give them or you know where do you direct them to create these benchmarks do, do you tell them to go outside or just just like what what's the best practices that you've said you, you, yeah, for under 10 they don't qualify to work with me <laughs> okay i'm sure uh, they qualify for a coffee for you maybe cool well i mean yeah people can still ask questions if they're in that situation what i actually do in that point is either um, give them a whole bunch of free stuff and uh, most of them do nothing with it because they don't have what it takes uh, some of them really get invested and uh, and maybe buy a few products or something like that mm -hmm. uh, or get a, a consultation maybe with me or yeah. something Okay. And uh, but the people here's where I've found the dividing line is Edwin is about there's somewhere in between about a dozen and 20 employees at a company. Okay. Somewhere in there, the mentality of the organization changes where the, the owner is no longer hiring every single person. Yeah. And the idea of bringing on one more person just isn't a big deal anymore. They're like, eh, okay, we got to hire someone. Let's write a job description. Uh, let's interview a few people. Okay, you, we pick you. Here's a desk, here's a policy manual, here's a computer and a phone, get to it. And it's just not that big of a deal anymore. And that is, in there is the ignition point for where that, I can really, really help. Uh, what I found doing um, the research, and I have my own podcast called The Cold Star Project cool. about the unexpected challenges of scaling. And I, on there, I, I interview uh, other business owners who have at least reached half a million dollars in, in uh, annual recurring revenue. Mm -hmm. A lot of SaaS and agency founders because I wanted them to share their stories as well. So it wasn't just me up on a soapbox going, look, look, <laughs> if you're not sailing the ship, you're going to crash on these rocks. So, you know, they share their stories. And so for benchmarking, yeah, under, under 10 people, there's probably, unless you're starting something brand new, there's probably examples out there the mm -hmm. thing is most people don't look at them they don't do any research at all they just sit there in their own little bubble and go oh well i guess this is the way it is and so i would recommend finding out what reality is maybe you have to call some people maybe you have to reach out on linkedin mm -hmm. and have some discussions what i've found is like people are a lot nicer the higher you go in organizations and they're nicer than you think yeah you know maybe you need to talk to five or six people to to get one who kind of spills the beans and gives you the answer that's not that much right that's not a whole lot of effort 
but most people will not go through that effort. Yep. So, you know, I, I think the answers are out there at that scale. And, you know, if you want to get into something specific like sales or something like that, uh, as far as processes go and benchmarking go, we could dig in, but let's see. No, I know for sure, for sure. If you're just joining us live, what Jason and I are discussing is is the the challenges of scaling your company um, to over 500 employees. And we were just specifically talking about sort of where it skyrockets and uh, around the 12, you know, a dozen to 20 employees when the owner is is just like let's just hire what do we need like what what are we even talking about let's just hire um so if you have any questions if you're looking to scale your business right now um or you're looking uh, you're a business leader within an organization that that's like at 200 employees and trying to get to five like double in resources let us know we'd love to hear your story um jason why should a business owner or key executives really be interested in scaling anyway <laughs> well, uh, the obvious reason is to make more money. Yeah, right, and and have a larger organization. Like for me personally, I view my business as an extension of myself, like my body. It's like a third arm or something like that, right? And I'm able to reach out into the world with it. So that's that's the imagination that I have. So so if you want to have a bigger impact, you need a bigger organization. If you want to mm -hmm. impact more people, you need to have a bigger organization. So what, what I found in, uh, in my research and talking to all these business owners of different kinds, uh, from software as a service founders through agency owners to manufacturing companies, you know, in the garment industry, metal fabrication, that kind of thing, uh, is that there were a lot of people who were ready to help solopreneurs, so coaches, trainers, info product creators, that kind of thing. And there were a lot of people out there to consult to thousand person and above uh, companies. As a matter of fact, I spent most of 2016 working for a change management uh, professional from Holland who dealt only with tech companies of a thousand people or more. Mm -hmm. But there was no one in the middle. <laughs> and, and I had enough people tell me, gee, Jason, I, you know, we wish there were people around to help us during that, that uh, you know, 10, 12, 20 person to 500 person stage. And I went, aha. <laughs> that sounds market there and I can fulfill that. Yeah. That sounds like the gap in there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the folks that I've had on my podcast, you know, they are scaling or they, they've been scaling and, and we've talked about it as well. So I hope this, this is resonating some people, uh, within, within my network and hopefully it propagates as well. Um, um, just the way search algorithms go, putting it on there as business leadership and uh, challenges with scaling. Um, this, I mean, it's it's super interesting. One thing you just brought up was was working with the founders at, at this at this size. Uh, why do you? And then we were talking about hiring, and maybe at twelve to twenty, they're thinking about let's just create that job description. Let's go. So why why do you think founders or or the key the key decision makers you know have a hard time delegating? Oh, do they? <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, um, you get two kinds of people, right? Those who are comfortable with it and those who are not, uh, and those who are comfortable with it, they have to watch about abdication of responsibility. That's really a challenge. Uh, like, oh, I hired these people. And so I'm just going to let go of the whole thing. Right. And, and what you will run into there is a situation in which, uh, their feedback loops are broken. 
And so something, a project will be like two weeks late and nobody will know. Mm. <laughs> the people working on it may know, but the management and the leadership, which are not the same thing, will not know. And this is very common, like feedback loops are essentially the bane of, of the existence of companies at this level. That's the main thing. Uh, when they do have trouble scaling, it's because the business owner is not thinking about themselves as a business owner. They're still in that technician mode and mm. they're the best at doing everything. They're the best salesperson. They're the best uh, problem solver, whatever. And they have to get out of that. Uh, I, I had uh, somebody I worked with who was kind of like this. Um, and he gradually over like eight months, 12 months, figured this out, thankfully, and started to lay off. Um, but the problem was he got himself involved in everything. And so all the decisions had to be micromanaged up through him. And so that's very dangerous because it slows the whole pace of the organization down. Right. So, you, so we need to watch for these things. Those are, those are two issues there. Abdication of responsibility and broken feedback loops. And then on the other end of the spectrum, uh, micromanaging everything and slowing the whole organization speed down to, uh, you know, make, make the throughput really slow. So you're not agile, right? Uh, Edwin, I want to bring up something that I've discovered. Yeah. Written about, I've got a post on LinkedIn about it on my, uh, on my account, one of those articles. Mm-hmm. And it's about something called the project start gap. And let's see if this resonates with uh, with our listeners today. Yeah. More than when we started. And that's awesome. Thanks for being here today, everybody. Uh, the project start gap is when this is particularly uh, visible when you have a service based business. It could happen if you have a product, like if you're doing design and creating a product. But if there's a service component or it is a service. Uh, you 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 uh, take the client on, you accept the money, so they give you the deposit or, or whatever it is, right, or the fee, and you're on the clock now, and that money's burning, right? Like maybe you're paying for an employee or you have overhead, other costs, right? And they're burning, and you're waiting for this client to give you critical information that only they can give you, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and they're either trying to get it perfect or they're trying to fish it out, or they've got to go find the person who uh, who has got it <laughs> and get that person to comply and bring it, right? And this has killed more businesses, including one of mine, than, than anything else that I know of, this project start gap. And so I designed my business to get rid of that. There is no project start gap at Cold Star Tech. <laughs> and, and we're kind of like the police about it. If you're going to work with us, I make it very clear up front that we need 100% compliance because it is the fastest way for us from you know getting you from point A to point B. So I don't know if you've run into that before. I mean, I have. I mean, in terms of some of my consulting um, work that I've done, whether it's in development or in marketing, and you know, you shake hands, right, mm-hmm. Jason? It's like, all right, let's let's do this, sure. and and then ultimately, you know, we need input. Yep. Um, so we actually write it for us now is we'll write it in the documents and say, okay, do you agree to provide this, 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 or this before we could even get to any of this, right? Um, so it's up front. We all know this. Um, but I'm interested to know, like, like how do you really have them comply, like, before starting? Um, do you have some type of framework that you're like, okay, these are what you actually need to do for anything before we even start? Yeah. Yeah. We, we lay it out. So the process map, 
for what we do to get, uh, we, we document what you are doing, like your present method. Most people don't have process maps at all, right? So we document that. We compare it with reality by essentially putting a die pack into your system and have it flow through everything. And, and we find that there are discrepancies every time. <laughs> and the discrepancies are like, uh, Edwin will not go into Jason's office because he's afraid of Jason. And so he gives the report that he's supposed to give to Jason to Mary. <laughs> on Mary's desk. And then two days later, Mary delivers it to Jason's office. And you can see like, if this is a supply chain purchasing thing, a production flow thing, right? It slows everything up. And so there's stuff like this going on. There's also more sinister stuff that we uncover. Uh, I had one of my guests on, uh, on my show talk about working for a major American railway. And he discovered, uh, not, not him, he himself, but uh, the news came out that a, uh, an, uh, a person working in their claims department, trains would crash and the items would spill out all over, right? Um, they were self-insured. They'd pay off the person who had hired them to transport the stuff, right? And then they would sell the goods. They'd pick them up and sell them. And what this guy was doing at the railway company was instead of giving the railway company's bank account, he was giving his own. Oh, my gosh. And this is going on in a real big multi-zillion dollar company, folks. Right. So all this kind of stuff, sometimes it's it's uh, more innocent, like the first example. Sometimes it's more sinister, like what I was talking about a moment ago. And uh, all kinds of stuff is going on in between. So we get those process maps straightened out so that they're what's what we have recorded is happening is actually what's happening. And once we get to that point, then we can have insight. We can develop insight. You know, what what could we take out? What could we improve? Right. What needs to be here? What needs to be eliminated? And that is the way that we can get big transformation of business. So before we get into that, I need to know that everybody is on track, right? Yep. On board. So my first quote unquote sale is to the chief executive, right? The owner, the CEO, president, whoever, right? Is in charge. And it has to come from top down, this, this attitude like, okay, no, we're on board. We're doing this. Then we have uh, the second sale, which is getting the group leaders in to the room. And this is before I've accepted any money. And we got to get everybody on board there. And, you know, make the sale as to, hey, this is going to be good for the organization. Yeah, we're going to be uh, looking in corners and shining flashlights into rooms that nobody's been in for a while and that kind of thing. And maybe there'll be some embarrassing stuff, but we're not out to, like, hurt anybody. Right. I'm not here to fire people. I don't want to eliminate positions. I want to expand capacity. I want to expand throughput. I want us to have more money flowing through the business so that we all make more money. And people get on side about that. And if they don't, if they're squirrely in that situation, what does that tell my end client? Right. The, the CEO or the owner. Tell yeah. Something wrong. Right. That's right. <laughs> because this is a very reasonable request when it's put out there like that. And if you're hiding something, well, we, we got to talk about it. Right. So that stuff gets all ironed out before we walk in and I, accept the money. Yeah, no, I, I love that actually in terms of like, um, and, and it's similar in terms of, I mean, it, it's similar of doing all your upfront work. Right. But yeah. you're getting, you're getting buy-in right. starting from the top to the bottom 
and you and you're still in control right jason because you're like listen i'm here to help if none of you if there's even one bad screw here however big this deal may or may not be i'm i'm ready to walk away because right. yeah you, step in right yeah. i'm not gonna fail I might just have to implement that, Jason, right away. <laughs> I love that. It's, it's fun. I mean, there there are people out there who would be terrified to do something. Wait, wait a minute. You got a customer here. Well, when you've been through the project start gap about 15 times and you've lost a business because of it and you've seen others go belly up, you never want to go through that again. You yeah. will do anything to avoid it. It's as bad as a client from hell. And. And even and and the client from hell, and I'm sure you've seen this either personally or 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 in in other working relationships. That product start a project start gap. There may be situations where the client may blame you for the gap, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> so well, yeah, regardless, yeah, whether you're at fault or not, when you're you're going to take the punch to the face. That's right. They're going to be mad at you. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's what happened. We would bring somebody on board, for example, who would be very good at uh, uh, selling from the stage, let's say, or selling from the back of the room. They were great at getting people into a room and selling them a program in that room somehow. But for them to switch over to an online marketing funnel to get us leads so that our salespeople could close them, there was the challenge. And if three months go by and we paid our people's salary, our yep. sales people, not just commission, and our ongoing <laughs> many, many software apps <laughs> and overhead are burning every month, we're dying. And then That's we right. got to come back to you every month and say, hey, Edwin, we need another X thousands of dollars for your uh, upfront fee for the month. And you're going, well, what am I getting? You're not thinking about, oh, well, it's my fault because I haven't come up with <laughs> the uh, the online marketing funnel, right? That's right. Yeah, the working on my Sistine Chapel over here. No, yeah. you're going to blame us. You're going to say this isn't worth it, and you're right. And the, and the reason why is we shouldn't have let you in the door in the first place. That's right. I mean, ultimate ultimately, you're you have to be the all knowing person, right? Ultimately, yeah. right? And, and 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 I think, although as you mentioned, it may be scary to do that. But I think you gain respect, right, uh, mm -hmm. of, of that subject matter. You know, you're the guy, and I've seen this hundreds of times. Right. And I'm not. I'm. I'm. You know, you. You almost need to come in there with the air of confidence that you need me more than I need you. Mm -hmm. These are my rules. Take it or leave it. Yep. And it, it is a bit dickish in a way. <laughs> we're we're a very uh, compliant, requiring organization. We require compliance. And it, and it makes our attitude a bit like the police, right? Wow. So, that, you know, we show up, it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, the sheriff's here. And, and, it, and that can be scary, but it is what is necessary to succeed because I know without a doubt, I can get a transformation for your business. If you will let me work this process to take you from point A on the journey to point B, we can get a great result. And I can do it fast if you're compliant and we all play together. So let's get on the same song sheet. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I love it. I, I mean, this is this is a great conversation. I mean, um, especially th thank you for bringing that up, Jason. If you are if you are listening to us live, thank you for joining us. If you it's a couple more minutes left, uh, what we're talking about uh, is building systems, uh, processes, compliance within your business, so you could you could help uh, and not only help yourself but help your 
customers grow and, and scale as well. If you're catching this on the replay, anything resonating with you, you have any questions for myself or Jason, uh, let me know. Reach out to me on social media or email me directly, edwin at thebusinessleadership.com. I'll put you in touch with Jason. I'll, I'll make sure uh, we get uh, we get you know we'll find out how to get a hold of Jason as well. Um, Jason, I guess with with everything that we talked about, I'd love it if you could, if you have any maybe final tips, any any last thoughts uh, for the emerging business leader, whether they're entrepreneur or scaling now or a key executive within an organization that is scaling, um, what type of recommendation would you give them today? Number one thing, write things down, write your processes down. And there's like flow charting tools and symbols and stuff like that. You don't need to, to have that. Okay. Let, let me play with that stuff. <laughs> Just write it down in English. <laughs> All right. Whatever language it is that yeah. I would just write it down. You know, first the thing goes here, then it goes to there, then it goes to there. I mean, you probably have a process for how to uh, create these podcasts, right? You got you got quite a few steps. Emails go out. There's a lot of clicking and choices. You got to get the headshot and all that stuff, right? The well, you well you do talk my language, Jason. I mean, I talk about it a lot. Um, is like by my third episode, I had 53 steps written down. There you go. See, <laughs> listen, listen, folks, to that because it looks like a pain in the ass. I'm not going to lie, right? It looks like, oh, man, I got to do this. And, yeah, the, the time you, you take to do it, it is kind of a chore. But the it rescues you later on. It saves so much time later on because you're like, bu -bu 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 -bu. like, if you have to do it again yourself, you just follow the directions. And it's way easier to follow a list than it is to figure it out again yourself and maybe forget something and remember it the next day or something, right? Or when you're ready to bring another person on board, whether it's a VA that you want to assign or you, you've hired somebody, you just hand them a list and, and say, here's the process. Does this stuff make sense? And you could, you could do a screenshot, uh, you know, a little mini movie kind of screen recording thing if you want as well. But the key thing I think is to have it written down because then you can see it. And if you can see it, then you can analyze it and go, wait, am I doing this the best way? Like, we have situations out there in the real world where uh, let's say a lady named Mary worked at this company six years ago and she came up with the process and maybe it's even written down, although like 99% of the time, none of this stuff is written down, but let's say it is. Now it's six years later, Mary's been gone for three years. Nobody even remembers Mary, mm -hmm. maybe the old accountant in the back office, right? And people are still following this process <laughs> and nobody stops to ask, why are we doing it this way? Yeah. And uh, some silly stuff can be going on. I'll give one more example. This one is from uh, Enterprise Resource Planning, ERP consultant, one of the recent interviews on, on my podcast. And he says uh, the, the company that he's working with is insistent on this uh, weird software that enables them to use a printer that prints seven layers of, uh, of pages all the way down. So it, it, it's able to imprint. And he's like, why do you need this? Why don't we just do something else or print it seven times or something like that, you know? And they're arguing and he says, okay, I'm gonna come there, you show me what you do. And so they run the machine, the printer imprints the seven copies. The lady rips off the first three copies, distributes them to different places and then throws the remaining four in the trash. Yeah. And that's nuts and that is what is going on out there. 
That's what's going on. There are, if you run a business of any size, <laughs> dear listeners, stuff like this is happening in your business. I'll bet there's like four or five things I could find where things like this are happening in your business. It just happens. It's just like a natural result of people doing stuff and getting into a habit and kind of going on a robot mode, right? An automaton mode instead of thinking, what is this? Why am I doing it? But it's so easy to fall into the trap of comfort zones. And, oh, well, this is the way we do it. This is the way we did it. Yeah. I mean, those, 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 that phrase right there, if you're saying that, um, I think it's time to, to start writing things down. <laughs> or if someone's saying it in your team, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. No, I really appreciate that. And and it's so it's so important to write things down. I mean, if you like if I remember uh, uh, an early business partner of mine, Jason, um, what he what he taught me was like, okay, if you have to figure something out as an entrepreneur, that's your job, you figure it out. The second idea time is to write it down. The third time is is you just follow. It should be boring by the third time. That's why, like when I did my podcast, like by the time I had a third one, I already had my processes. Like my processes has been changed already because I've hired a VA that's a project manager and I've hired people. But I did, as Jason said, I had it written down. It may not have been perfect, but it worked for me. And then I used a tool called Trello. That just every week I just check mark. Okay, that's done. Yeah, that's done. Right. Yeah, that's it. becomes boring if you're an entrepreneur and you're bored. That's the and you're and and you're getting. You know, you need to grow. It's time to it's time to delegate that, <laughs> especially if you have that right. Um, it's because you created a job. You, you know, you're making yourself out of the job uh, per se. Um, Jason, this is great. I definitely invite you back to the show sometime in the in, in, in the next couple of months uh, whether we talk about systems process something specific on this because it's it's really interesting and I know we did start with a big overall um, topic but uh, maybe we could brainstorm or we'll wait to hear some feedback as well um, what type of topic we could really dig down deep as well um, but where can we find more information about you um, your podcast your work or anything else you'd like to share with us uh, okay, so let's see. You could go to YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, search for The Cold Star Project, um, and you could go to – and that's a video version. Uh, I like to shoot them in video if I can. I just did one in my uh, – the, the, the guest was in my hometown. Or, well, what is my hometown now? <laughs> uh, and, and it was so much fun. I brought a couple cameras and a couple of microphones and whatnot, and we were in the same room for once as opposed to, you know, thousands of miles apart. Yeah. And uh, I had so much fun editing that because I had a couple angles to choose from and, uh, and we were going to do that. Uh, but the audio only version is on every major platform. So you can Google like iTunes, the Cold Star Project or Spotify, the Cold Star Project, Stitcher, the Cold Star Project. Very important to have that the in there for some reason. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The Cold Star Project, but uh, mm-hmm. that'll get you there. And yeah, there's over 40 episodes there. Um, Some of them are me talking, kind of a solo thing where I want to dig into a topic. And others are interviews with, uh, like I said, other uh, founders who have, or CTOs, who have run into these scaling problems themselves and want to share their stories. And I have them on. So again, it's just not me alone jumping up and down on the soapbox going, look, look, these problems happen, right? Because there's so many folks out there, uh, especially if, if, you know, if you're coming in from Facebook, uh, I think LinkedIn, you know, is, is a different marketplace and whatnot, but uh, 
who, who have not run into this kind of business before, or maybe haven't worked for a big company with a, you know, like a multinational with 20 branches and hundreds or thousands of people. Right. And so they haven't seen these things. So I really want to share these stories about the unexpected challenges of scaling so that it, you, you don't get tripped up by them. You know about them beforehand and can go, okay, well, <laughs> you know, let me anticipate that. Cadigan says we should do something about it. You've got some idea here, you know, and, and let's do something about it. And then if you realize you need help, well, I'm there. So, no, that's great. Um, that's amazing, Jason. I mean, this was an really informative. I, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you, but I, I was writing notes as well. And, you know, I'm always looking how to improve. And I'm sure that's why you also have a podcast as well. But I do appreciate you joining us today. And uh, thank you and, and have a fantastic weekend. Right. You too, Edwin. And uh, it was great to be here. I hope we get some some feedback. Any questions on the recording? People, please ask them. Okay, folks? Uh, I, I would rather you uh, submitted your questions and it ate up some of my time. I'd be happy to do that rather than you not asking, okay? Agreed, 100%. Jason, thanks again. We'll talk soon. This was the Business Leadership Podcast Live. It's an almost daily show, so be sure to catch us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to check out my podcast, The Business Leadership Podcast, where I sit down with business leaders to discuss their personal journey and experience of business leadership. Um, sometimes it talks about scaling as well, just like Jason talked about. New episode drops every Tuesday. You could catch it on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. But that's a wrap, everybody. Happy Friday. Have a fantastic, safe, and fun weekend. Edwin signing off.